Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 284. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. As always, I'm joined by one of the marvelous members of the Blueprint Live Online team. Continuing our discussion with Jason today, breaking down the Blueprint MCAT diagnostic, now in the psych soch section, passage one. To get free access to this half-length diagnostic, go to blueprintmcat.com. Sign up for their free account where you'll get access to this half-length diagnostic, full-length one for free, as well as their study planner tool, 1,600-plus flashcards on their brand-new space repetition platform, and much more. Go check it out, blueprintmcat.com. Let's go and jump into our episode today. Jason, welcome back to the MCAT podcast. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I am uh, fantastic as well. I think we have come over the hill and are on our descent in for landing. Uh, psych Soch is a tricky section because it's not the scary science, hard sciences that uh, bio biochem just was. But there's a lot to know for psych soch. And there are some good documents out there that students find where they just memorize everything and seem to do well. Um, I'm hoping, because I haven't memorized that document, that we can still use some logic here. Although, with my experience doing some of the full lengths, it doesn't work as well. Um, And so, knowing all of Erickson's whatever theories and this guy's theories, and uh, I, I just... Sometimes I wish I was born 400 years ago so I could come up with some some good <laughs> theories. Although my my people named the anatomy book Gray's Anatomy, um, although uh, wrong spelling. Um, we we just came off the bio biochem section from the Blueprint MCAT half length diagnostic. In between sections on a real MCAT test day, assuming we're normal full schedule these days there's an opportunity to take a little bit of a break and to stretch legs, go to the bathroom, uh, drink some water, maybe have a little bit of a snack. What is your recommendation for those breaks? Should, should students just push through and get through it? Should they actually go use their breaks? What What do you think? Yeah, immediately click next. You're, you're ready to go. Just keep going. No, uh, no, clearly not. Um, definitely take the break. If you can avoid leaving the test room, I would suggest that because, you know, you're signing in, you're signing out, you have to go through all the procedure of getting back into the room, um, and that can take time. So if you are able to, like if it's not an emergency, um, if you're able to stay in the room, definitely do that. But take a moment to do some, like, 
neck stretches, some, some back stretches, get up, stretch your legs, close your eyes, uh, and take that time as a, a mental reset to be ready for the next section and, and take the, the entire time as well. Uh, don't just click next when you're ready. You were afforded a 10-minute break in between chem fizz and cars and another one in between uh, bio biochem and psychosoc. So definitely take those those breaks. All right. I, I just remember, uh, I believe it was step three, maybe USMLE step three, um, where I just, I powered through like <laughs> just, it's a, it's a, however, a six hour test, eight hour test. And I was just like, no breaks, no nothing. Just go, 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 go. Um, one of those tests, I just, I just flew through and I just didn't want to take a break. So yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'd recommend that. Um, all right. What is your recommendation in terms of the actual, those, those documents out there, 300 page psychosis documents, documents for memorizing everything? So full disclosure, I thought for a short time that I would become a psychiatrist, Mm. that I would actually take the plunge, go to medical school. um, And so I studied for the GRE psych subject test. That test is like a science final and they require you to know uh, uh, 500 different researchers and what studies they did and have all that stuff memorized the MCAT is not a science final. So they're much more uh, invested in making sure that you know vocabulary and can apply that vocabulary to examples. Mm. So when you're studying for MCAT psychology and sociology, yes, you will still have your list of uh, vocabulary terms, but don't just study and memorize the definition. What you want to do is take each of those terms and think about how it applies to something you already know, Um, how it applies to your own life is even better. That self-reference effect that's going to help you to to remember that stuff a lot more readily. Um, Because I think we talked about last time that the vast majority of questions in the psych section are going to say either here's this term. Um, which of these answer choices is an example of that term? Mm. Um, you know, somebody doing something and then they're, they're living that, that thing, or here's what somebody is doing, which term applies. And overall psychology is really just a way of describing the behaviors that we have normally. Yeah. So it's, it's not, uh, you know, we don't need to necessarily take a microscope and discover something that we didn't know was there previously. We're assigning vocabulary words and understanding to the behaviors that people exhibit already. So that's what you want to do when you're studying for psychosoch is think about how these vocabulary words relate to behaviors that you've seen in yourself and other people. Never in yourself. Never. <laughs> oh, there are plenty of good things in, in that you would want to use to describe yourself. Self-esteem, for example. Negative self-esteem. <laughs> no, okay. Um, all right, all right. Let's uh, let's jump in again. This is going to be our, our first episode for the psychosoc section. It's always hard to, for me to say in Blueprint MCAT half-length diagnostic, which everyone gets for free at blueprintmcat.com by creating a free account.
All right, so let's uh, let's jump into our first passage here. All right, let's take a look. So paragraph one, in poor urban settlements in Bangladesh, the Minoshi program provides community health workers, CHWs, to support women through pregnancy, delivery, and postpartum periods. Recent evidence suggests that individuals with diversified social networks live longer and healthier lives than those who are less socially embedded and involved. So looking at this paragraph, is there anything that jumps out to you as being particularly new, particularly important, might come up in questions? Um, I don't know. I am kind of confused right off the bat because it seems like there's two sentences here and neither of them have to do with each other. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, we're talking about uh, pre uh, or like pregnant care, right? Prenatal care. And then we're talking about having uh, diverse social networks. So I'm like, okay. Um, I, I guess the second part is interesting, right? If there's evidence to suggest, which I, I know about this evidence, um, that individuals with diversified social networks live longer and healthier. Sure, that's that's some information. The fact that in Bangladesh, people get um, these community health workers to support women through pregnancy, delivery, and postpartum periods, I, I guess that's interesting. I, I don't know. The nice thing about the MCAT is that interesting really doesn't enter into it. Like if you, if you are, if you read this and afterwards, after your test, you go home and you're like to your friends, oh, you know, hey, today I learned something about the, you know, the urban settlements in Bangladesh. You're doing it wrong. Um, our job <laughs> is to get the right information and get out of there as quickly as possible. So I think there are two things that we want to recognize here. One is they give us an abbreviation that we're almost certainly going to use throughout either the passage or the questions. I want to make sure that I know what CHWs are. They're community health workers. Great. So I would highlight that just so that I can come back and reference it. Uh, if that acronym comes up in a question, that is an initialism, not an acronym. I, you know, I said it and in the back of my <laughs> mind, I was like, wait a second, but uh, yes. Um, and then the second thing in the second sentence we've got a psychosocial term. We've got social networks. And related to that psychosocial term, they tell us recent evidence suggests. So it's not just, hey, we might care about social networks here. We have some cause and effect, uh, at, at the very least some correlation uh, with respect to social networks and living longer, being healthier. Okay. So I would I would definitely highlight that term that day for diversified social networks um, as a part of that new evidence and you know knowing that that's a term that that will definitely come up in questions. Okay. You are right to be suspicious about the relationship of these two sentences to one another because it seems like one is is more of like a historical description of something that has happened. And the other one is some scientific reasoning. The nice thing is that confusion doesn't last for long because the very next paragraph is going to start talking about the relationship between those two things. Okay. So let's do it. Uh, researchers looking to test this hypothesis. Ah, so the one we were just talking about. 
which to determine if the introduction of CHWs into the social networks of Minoshi members mediates changes in maternal and neonatal health test uh, health best practices or MNH. So already I would stop here because this is a very important sentence. It tells us we've got a study coming up. Mm-hmm. It tells us another act, uh, initialism, yeah, got it, <laughs> uh, which we will have to keep track of and keep straight. And it provides that connection we were confused about in the first paragraph because it says we're going to take these community health workers, integrate them into social networks and see if they have the, the effect that we saw from the recent evidence, the other studies that the researchers writing this passage, the quote unquote researchers writing this passage are, are citing. Yep. So a lot of connective tissue here in just that one sentence. And as soon as they say, hey, researchers interested in testing X, we know there's going to be a study and we already have the, the point of the study. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they're what they're going to be studying, which is part of what we want to analyze in terms of the the research and be ready for research based questions for this passage. Uh, finishing out the paragraph, so two thousand women who had given birth in the last six months were interviewed. A social networks questionnaire was administered, which elicited women's perceived networks around pregnancy, delivery, and postpartum periods. Okay. All right. Any, anything in that last sentence that seems interesting in yeah. terms of the research? Yeah, just research structure. It's a, a survey. Yeah, so very important. So whenever we get the kind of study that's being done, we want to take a moment just to digest that. So we've got a questionnaire. And so what they're looking to do is correlate the responses on this questionnaire to whatever intervention they're doing. So in this case, introduction of, of CHWs. So we're going to analyze those results. I'm already spotting a figure down at the bottom that gives us some percentages of who might be answering what in terms of the questionnaire. And of course, the very next paragraph does start to give us some more details about exactly what this questionnaire is asking. So let's take a look. Okay. The social networks questionnaire saw information across three sections. Survey one asked about perceived ability of economic and emotional support by asking the respondent to identify those supporters, uh, those supports she considers important. Survey two focused on networks of support associated with pregnancy, labor, and delivery and the postpartum period. After having recorded the name of each respondent, details were elicited about their age, residence, and the frequency and nature of support provided. Finally, survey three requested information about the delivery itself, where it occurred, why and whether it was attended by a medical trained provider. All right. Okay. So just more details of the uh, questionnaire. Definitely a ton of details. And, And the one thing that I would notice, aside from survey three, surveys one and two seem to be a little bit more about, uh, perception. Mm-hmm. Of like, oh, how, how did this feel? Yeah. Um, rather than being about something that is a little more concrete. So survey three actually gets to um, the things that we would be comparing to those feelings. Yeah. We get our results in table one. Type of support considered important by respondents in survey one 
specifically. Whenever we see a table like this in a research passage, we want to take a moment and see if we can tell the story. Look for large numbers, look for tiny numbers, see if we can spot any trends here. Um, so looking at this table, is there anything that you see that looks to be a difference between these, these different time periods and what support was considered important by the respondents? Um, what am I looking at? All right, so... <laughs> Switching. It's a thought I have a lot. Yeah, I, I'm just glancing at the numbers, right? Just in terms of numbers. Um, considered the type of support considered important. Um, so I, I just see some differences, right? Emotional support, I see a huge importance there for pregnancy drops down during labor and delivery because it's like, I don't need emotional support. I just need to get through this. <laughs> just, I just have to get, get through it. Out somehow or another. Yeah, which is where we see the the flip between the information and appraisal support. There's, there's that dichotomy there. Um, and then the instrumental support really being the most at the end. So, so it's interesting seeing the different support during the different phases and what's considered most important. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going looking for big numbers, right? So emotional support in pregnancy, that makes sense. Everything's going to be okay. You're doing great. Labor and delivery, it's like, okay, what's happening? And is it going well? And if things, if there are complications, uh, can we explain that to the mother and father in a way that makes sense and you know lays out options for them? And this postpartum period, that instrumental support, um, even if you're not 100% sure what exactly that means, you can imagine what that means. Like, you're a father. I'm, I'm a father. What did you need most right after the baby was born? <laughs> well, I, I'm a dude, so it's a little bit different than uh, my wife. Then it turns out to be very similar here. <laughs> uh, what did I need most? Um, sleep? I don't know. So, like... If you wanted to get sleep, hey, it would have been really nice to have somebody else come and take care of the baby for an hour. Yeah. Um, it would be really nice for somebody to come and bring you some food every once in a while. Uh, it would be really nice for somebody to like run a vacuum cleaner once in the six months that you're, you're spending all of your time trying to keep this tiny human alive. Yeah. So that's what that instrumental support is. It's okay. the like day-to-day -day tasks that you don't have time for because mm. you're caring for an infant. Okay. All right. Um, so we're ready to move on. It's the, that big picture. Take 10, 15 seconds. Where are the big numbers? Like what's most important when we're not going to break down the percentages any more than that. Um, just look for that trend. Okay. All right. Analysis was performed to test the hypothesis that penetration of the Minoshi program into women's perceived networks has an effect on MNH best practices. These practices include the use of a trained birth attendant, use of postnatal care, and use of a colostrum, a rich source of immunoglobulin A. Ah, got it, finally. Uh, that is important for the survival of newborns. Results of this study are shown in table two, and then we get table two. So it looks like we're doing, we're just measuring a whole bunch of stuff. Yep. And table two is an absolute beast. 
table two's got like eight different lines of information, five different columns. Um, where's the stuff that actually helps to summarize all of this? Uh, the bottom at the very bottom, we get the regression results and it can be a little tough to interpret those results. Those ORs, those are R values. Those are correlations. Mm -hmm. So once we realize that, and if you don't realize that, that's fine. If a, a table or a figure is confusing, let it go, go to the questions. And if a question cares, they often will point you in the right directions. And at the very least, it's multiple choice. So the answer choices will tell you what you care about. But if you spot that, oh, this is the result of the regression. These are R values. What do we know about R values with respect to the number one in terms of correlations? Uh, I mean, it's an, an greater than one. It's strongly correlated, isn't that? Uh I, I forget. Isn't that it? Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. So greater than one is a strong correlation. Less than one or between one and negative one mm -hmm. is a, a very weak correlation or no correlation at all. And of course, less than negative one is a strong uh, inverse yeah. relationship. So as one goes up, the other goes down. Okay. Um, so here looking at these numbers, looks like uh, the trained birth attendant made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Looks like the postnatal care uh, made a, a still a significant difference, but milder, um, maybe three, three times improved versus the seven times improved for the trained birth attendant. And the colostrum seemed to actually not be correlated whatsoever. Um, so there we go. Uh, if you spot that, great. If not, no worries. Keep moving. Okay. So let's keep moving. Is there, is there more to this, this passage? That's it. Oh, that's it. Okay. Good news. So we are ready for some questions. So this uh, one's interesting, yeah. right? Cause we get, we, we got a ton of, of chart data and, and yes. a little bit less like info data, like to read and try to understand. And so to me, this is either going to be a lot of pseudo discrete questions that have nothing to do with the passage or we're going to have to come digging back through this data um, in a minute. Is, is that a good assumption to make or, or potentially something to, to even think about as we transition to the questions? So not necessarily. We got a lot of description and results for a very specific study, or, or in this case, it looks like a couple of studies or, or a study, a main study, and then like an offshoot of that. What we want to be thinking about is, all right, how was the study done? What were the variables? What was the information, like the major trends that we can get from any results that we got? Is there a conclusion that can be made from the results? And did the researchers tell us what their conclusion is? Which, spoiler alert, if the researchers tell you, here's what we concluded, be suspicious. <laughs> um, suspect that there might be some kind of a, a reasoning flaw in their conclusion, and that's why it's included, especially when it's students doing okay. research. I don't know why, but the <laughs> MCAT students. seems to really, really say whenever students are doing something, they're going to mess something up. 
Yeah, that hierarchical crap that the AAMC is perpetuating. Um, okay. All right. So question one, which of the following are dependent variables? Oh, I hate independent, dependent variables. Dependent variables examined in the study. Uh, and it's a Roman numeral question here. So Roman numeral uh, one is trained birth attendant use. Uh, Roman numeral two, maternal education. Uh, Roman numeral three is use of postnatal care. <sighs> so if I remember correctly, dependent, and, and I always like misunderstood where they was coming what the definition of dependent independent dependent means like it's dependent on something else. Like we just, and it's correlated with something else. What another variable or something. If, is that, do I have at least that part, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So we'll take that thinking. So trained birth attendant use maternal education, use of postnatal care, which of those are dependent variables? So right off the bat, I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, of how each of those go. So trained birth attendant use. I'm trying to think how that would be dependent on something else. <laughs> like, well, that person would need to be trained, but that's not necessarily another variable in the study, right? Um, maternal education. Uh, like I'm confused. Like I'm trying to figure out wh the, what it's depending on to figure out. Cause one of these has to be uh, a dependent variable because there is no answer choice. None of the above, unfortunately uh, use of postnatal care. I have a block on trying to figure out like, is it dependent? Like, are we talking about, uh, so trained birth attendant use? Well, is the mom the, another dependent variable there? And so, well, of course, like if you're going to use a birth attendant, you have to have a, a, a pregnant person. So yeah, that's dependent. I, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know what they're getting at here. So very, very specifically. So the, it's, it depends on something else is a, a useful shorthand for independent and dependent variables. The other way to think about this is the independent variable is the thing that we are manipulating in the study. It's the thing that we're going, okay, here's one group and it has this property. Here's another group and it has this property. It's the stuff we're manipulating. Mm. The dependent variable or variables are the things that we are measuring. So here in, in this study, we can think very specifically about what did we gather information on? And we have two different studies, but really within each one, we've got the surveys where the answers to the questions and the percentages that we get are the things that we're measuring. Yeah. So we get a whole bunch of stuff on like appraisal of support, like how, how much was this support important to you? And then we got, um, you know, based on whether they used the, the trained professionals or not, um, the number of affirmative responses. So in that second table, we've got, did you use the trained birth attendant? 
Did you receive postnatal care? Did you give you know, colostrum to your newborn? And where the variation, the independent variable here would be then um, the, your, your social network. Are these people in your social network or not? And then we're measuring all these things like, did you use these services? Did you feel that these things were important? Mm. So of that, we actually can take a look at the things in the Roman numerals that we mentioned or didn't mention as, as things that we measured. Yeah, we measured all of those things. Didn't we? All of them. There's one here that's out. Uh, I, ma- maternal education, I guess, here isn't listed. Post, no. Postnatal care is here. But maternal education, like information support, like that's up here. Is that not? So again, we need to work pretty hard to connect those two ideas, right? Well, could maternal education be referencing like the shouting at, at the mother about what's what's going on in the delivery room uh, in between contractions? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about like the educational level of the mom. So you're exactly right to switch that from, from D to C. We're not measuring, you know, high school, college, like that, uh, what, we're, what we're measuring. And even like we took a look at in that first study, their age, residence, frequency, and nature of support provided was one thing that we asked about. And we asked about the delivery itself and those details. We never asked about the, the level of education of the mother, but we did do in study two, or the second half of this, so so this is go- going back to critical reading right i i read maternal education as educating the mother not the education of the mother right <laughs> uh yes we never asked like what is the education level of the mother that is yeah. not that is not something we're measuring so um folks make make sure you read the stupid questions <laughs> I was, read, read everything I so and don't assume too much don't put too much into the definitions i was just i was so confused because i'm like like of course we're educating the mothers because we have trained birth attendants to, to be there to support and educate like they're medically trained and and we're gonna uh we're gonna support women through their pregnancy delivery postpartum periods through education and support and all of that um but but yes uh, i completely misread roman roman numeral two uh, the meaning of that as in uh we are educating the mother not what is the mother's technical education level yeah stupid <laughs> this is how the mcat gets you uh you don't know how to read all right, so that's that's how the MK gets you. All right, question two. How about it? All right, so as one step in the statistical analysis of the effectiveness of CHW intervention, researchers calculated the average percentage of postnatal care use found in 10 randomly selected groups of 50 mothers. How could the researchers have increased the power of their analysis? So we got answer choice A, examine 15 randomly selected groups of subjects. B, increase the length of questions on the survey used in the, ana- uh, used in the analysis. C, select groups comprised of CHW using mothers only. D, increase their rate of random error. Uh, don't overthink. Don't <laughs> overthink. Um, so 
power, right? Power, I think of when I think of, um, when I think of research, when I think of studies, power is, do we have enough data here to actually make the right conclusions or make conclusions? Yes. So, um, researchers calculated the average percentage of postnatal care use found in 10 randomly selected groups of 50 mothers. 10 randomly selected groups of 50 mothers. Um, what if none of those people used CHWs? Uh, that'd be weird. Um, so, all right. Answer choice A, examine 15 randomly selected groups of subjects. Uh, well, that's more, right? Sure is. Uh, so, uh, that sounds good. Um, increase the length of questions. Uh, that doesn't necessarily tell me it increases the power. Um, that may increase validity if we have more questions and blah, blah, blah. Maybe, I don't know. But it's uh, like the wording of the question. Like, we, we artificially added 15 words to every question. Yeah. Uh, the, oh, yeah, the length of questions. Um, C, select groups comprised of CHW using mothers only. That's uh, a little selection bias, maybe, and doesn't give us like something to compare to. So right. That doesn't necessarily increase their rate of random error. I have no idea what that means. So I'm going to go with A, which is what we said right at the beginning. What is power? Power is increasing numbers to make sure we have enough data to, to pull from. Yeah. So A is the only answer choice that actually makes any sense in terms of what you would want to do in a study. Yeah. Uh, the more people that you're looking at, the better your study is. Um, so students often say like, oh, I, I overthink things and I, I get it down to two and then I select the wrong one and then I go back and forth and I'm not sure. Um, when students say I overthink things, I think what they really are, are meaning is that they're expecting a trap where none exists. And by and large, the MCAT is, has difficult questions with perhaps subtle differences between answer choices, but they're not trying to go, oh, I gotcha. There aren't really any gotcha questions on the MCAT. Um, so we're not expecting to get tricked or trapped. If an answer choice looks really good and three answer choices look really bad, select the answer choice that looks really good. <laughs> and, don't, and don't try to say, well, how could they be trying to make a fool of me in this question? <laughs> That is unproductive. Yeah. They don't want to make a fool of you. They just want your money. <laughs> that's all they care about. Um, that's okay. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. That was a, that was a relatively simple one. I'll, I'll take it. Um, question three. It is found that respondents who were Minoshi members and who listed Minoshi CHWs as part of their support networks were significantly more likely to exhibit optimal, uh, optimal, uh, optimal uh, MNH behavior. So that's that maternal neonatal health. Okay. The CHW presence is an example of A, a confounding variable, B, a mediating variable, C, a moderating variable, or D, an independent variable. Ooh. All right. Well, you just defined independent for us earlier as this thing that we're manipulating. 
So, uh, respondents who were Minoshi members and who listed Minoshi CHWs as part of their support networks were significantly more likely to exhibit optimal, optimal MNH behavior. So, wasn't that the whole point of the studies? Like, let me integrate this person into your life uh, to hopefully make your outcomes better. So, to me, potentially, like based on your definition earlier. So if I get this wrong, it's your fault. Mm. Uh, like this is the thing we're manipulating is, is, Hey, like we, we want this to be uh, part of the thing. So we, that's the independent variable. It's what we're manipulating. So D independent variable. Actually not here. Oh no. So, I just got done with all that spiel of like, oh man, they're not trying to trick you. This one's a little tricky. Um, So take a look right underneath table one. Uh, Analysis was performed to test the hypothesis uh, that penetration of the Minoshi program, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it's whether or not they're in this program is the independent variable in the study. Mm. Which means that this community health worker support is something that comes in between the independent variable and the things that we're measuring, the dependent variables. What that means here is that answer choice B is going to be the correct answer. This is what's known as a mediating variable. It's something that is between the thing that we're manipulating and the thing that we're studying that would, that still says there is a correlational relationship between the first thing and the last thing, but it's because of this stuff in the middle. So, okay, here, here's where I I like to get super like nitpicky and and question things. And then I'm always proven wrong. When, when we're reading this question here, right, we, we have this question and, Maybe I'm misunderstanding, but the thing we're testing is introduction of these CHWs into the social networks, right? That's the independent variable, yeah? Sure. Right? But it seems like potentially th- the the one part of this question that makes it a little bit different is this Minoshi members who listed Minoshi CHWs. Is that the different thing here? Not just regular CHWs, but Minoshi CHWs. Is that the difference here for this question? I believe it is, yeah. Okay. So now it's interesting. So because... I'm going to, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I'm going to nitpick the heck out of this question okay. because this is a setup but the question doesn't mention Minosi CHWs. It just says CHW presence. So there's there's something interesting going on with this question, <laughs> and I'd, I'd be interested to see what what's happening here. Because just as an aside here, my answer choice C that I have, that I pulled up yesterday, is different from the answer choice C that you have. Okay. I have dependent variable here. Okay. So I'm wondering if this question was changed and if uh, B is still the credited answer. Hmm. 
because what you what you're saying here makes perfect sense to me that the thing that we're we're changing is whether or not they they have access to the like they're using the community health workers maybe i'm missing something introduction of chws into the social networks of minoshi members yeah so whether or not they were there yeah so that that to me says answer choice d is correct based on this one line ignoring yeah. this part which i think it's just a sloppily written question if this is what they really mean yeah. down here is a minoshi chw Right. So I, you got me. Yeah. I have no idea. Okay. The, the explanation says mediating variable because the, the thing that we're looking at is the Minoshi and the thing that we're measuring is the, okay. the support. Okay. So the question is just sloppy and we'll give feedback to blueprint on that. <laughs> I, I definitely will. And I, I'd be interested to see what, what answer is credited for your version of the test. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, my assumption is that this the the question should actually be right. Uh, it it is found that respondents who were Minoshi members and who listed Minoshi CHWs as part of their support networks were significantly more likely to exhibit optimal MNH behavior compared to non Minoshi CHWs. Right, that piece what is I'm assuming implied, although it's not super clear um and then the m the minoshi chw presence is an example of i'm assuming is like that the better question there all right yeah okay so i'm not i'm not sure what you want to do with this one if we're well, gonna... Yeah, we'll we'll leave it there. Just fine. I, I like this discussion. Okay. Uh, and so read read the answer choices from what you have on your back end. Why mediating variable is what it is, and why the other ones aren't. Okay, so you want me to read through the, the sure. um, explanations? Yeah. So confounding variable. A confounding variable is an additional variable that is often not taken into account during analysis. Confounding variables can result from a failure to properly control and can adversely affect the studies in which they arise. So this would be an example of something where um, we didn't account for this other potential difference mm -hmm. between the two groups. And it's that thing, not the thing that we think we're studying that's actually causing the results that we see. Okay. So a, a mediating variable in cases where a mediating variable is present, the original predictor or independent variable works indirectly through a more immediate cause, the mediator variable to yield a final event, uh, effect, the outcome or dependent variable. The mediator adds to the overall variance accounted for in the data and can explain the relationship between the dependent and independent variables. The primary independent variable in this study was Minoshi membership, while the three reported dependent variables were the MNH practices. In this question, it is said that the presence of a CHW in the social network of those who were already Minoshi members was linked to improved MNH behavior. This implies that the presence of the CHW worker could be what facilitates the effects of Minoshi membership, making CHW presence a mediating variable. So could you do me a favor, scroll, scroll down to the, the second study here. So this question, 
is about the second half. Analysis was performed to test the hypothesis. So this is a different hypothesis that penetration of the Manoshi program into women's perceived networks has an effect on MNH best practices. So here they're saying Manoshi program or not. So were they, so I'm looking at table two and it Mm -hmm. says Manoshi membership, yes, no, yes, no. So the actual results that they're questioning in this study are these table two results or in this question rather. So that's the difference here. The independent variable is the yes, no, yes, no on the Minoshi membership. And the CHW presence is the thing in the Minoshi membership that's causing the relationship that we see or correlated to the relationship that we see. Okay. I still don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so like there's two different halves here. And so the issue I think is that the part of the study that talked about whether or not mothers were exhibiting optimal MNH behavior is table two. Cause that's the stuff where we say, did you get your, your postnatal care? Did you see a trained birth attendant? Yep. Did you use the colostrum? Like all of those things are the, the MNH outcomes that Correct. we wanted to, to look at. Correct. And, in that table, the only thing that we're looking at between the two groups is whether or not they were members of the Minoshi program. But, but, but again, the, Mino- yeah. the Minoshi program is what gives the CHWs. Yes. Right. But, but that's what makes this a mediating variable rather than a confounding variable. Because the Minoshi program is like, it's a a link in the chain of the causality. So what this is saying is it's not, it's not, it's not the case where we've got CHWs are causing the results that we saw, not the Minoshi program. That would be a confounding variable. It's not what you thought you were studying. It's actually this other thing you didn't account for. A mediating variable is a result of the thing that you are studying that is a link in the chain that provides the outcome that you're seeing in your dependent variables. So it's like, yes, Minoshi membership provides these CHWs and it's the CHWs that are actually the thing that's allowing for these increased uh, health benefits. But we can say that Minoshi membership is related or is correlated to the health benefits that we saw through the use of these CHWs. Yikes, I know. But the dependent variable that they list here in this question is the one that we're talking about in table two. And in table two, the independent variable is the Minoshi membership specifically. Okay, moving on. Question so four. Like there, there are going to be times when you're you're reviewing a practice test or you're you're on you know after test day and you're like, man, that, that question was bad. Um, what you have to do is consider that no, this question has been looked at by smart people, and <laughs> even even for somebody who knows what they're doing, 
Um, like I looked at this question earlier and I completely believed the correct answer. And then you raised some points and you made me doubt myself. Um, <laughs> so shame on you. But the, the important thing is that you have to approach it from the perspective of, I believe this correct answer, this credited answer is the correct one, is right somehow. Let me work on this until I believe that it's right. And in doing so, we found the reasoning in the passage that led to the difference between it's a mediating variable, not the independent variable in the study. Okay. I'm convinced. All right. I don't know about you. I don't know about the listeners, but, but <laughs> I believe it now. I, I still don't understand the question. So that's okay. okay. Let's move on. Sure. Question four. Uh, who's up? You or me? You, I think. Uh, okay, I, that's fine. After the newborn is brought home, a father agrees to change at least two diapers a day. What kind of support is the father providing? And we've got A, companionship support, B, emotional support, C, instrumental, uh, instrumental support, D, informational support. Well, you kind of answered this one a little bit earlier when you were asking me if, if uh, uh, I just had a baby, like, what would I need? And I said sleep. I'm like, well, you said that would ha- that would help if you had the instrumental support of someone coming and taking care of the kids. So hmm. uh, I, I'm going to go with instrumental support based on what you said earlier. Yes. Uh, even if we didn't know that, there are some signs that just B and D don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sure that companionship support is a thing. So anytime you see vocabulary on, uh, in the psychosocial portion of your test and you're like, I've never heard that phrase before in my life, I don't know if that actually is a description of a real thing. Don't select it. Yep. Uh, side note, a father agreeing to change at least two diapers a day, that's like less than the bare minimum of what you need to be doing. <laughs> So I would, I would argue this father is not actually providing instrumental support. <laughs> uh, I, I agree. Um, question five, the tendency of a new mother to actively join networks almost exclusively with other young mothers is an example of A, implicit bias, B, confirmation bias, C, heterophily, uh, heterophily, uh, heterophily. Or, uh, D, homophily, homophily. Um, yeah. So this is, this is the thing, right? My, my wife met most of her kind of mom friends through mommy groups, mommy and baby groups, uh, after having our first child. Um, and so, yeah, it's inform- interesting. So in, in, I like the bias answers, like implicit bias. It's like, um, like I'm biased. I only want to hang out with, um, <laughs> Uh, parents who know what I'm going through or moms because uh, we, we can all support each other at right? the whole, it takes a village. Um, confirmation bias, uh, not this, right? Confirmation bias is like, I, I believe in X. And so I'm going to go Google the thing until I find uh, where that's supported. But um, you can imagine like somebody could, could work to talk themselves into that, right? Yeah. Well, I believe this. I'm going to seek out information that supports this. Other people are going through the same thing. They're going to seek out the same kind of thing. We're going to meet together. Yeah. Um, like all of those steps that you require, the mental gymnastics required to convince yourself that B is correct. And yet on test day, so many people do it. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Um, so, I mean, the, the difference... Um, (sighs) 
I'm not sure about implicit bias. Like, I'm trying to remember, like, what implicit bias is. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm going to ignore implicit bias because I, I don't remember what it is. Um, and I don't remember what heterophily and homophily mean either, other than hetero and homo like those those kind of core roots there but hetero is different and homo is same so it can't be hetero because you're looking for something safe so i'm between a and b um a uh, a and d rather a and d a and d um and i mean if if i were to just like we have, if, if I'm trying to remember how we use implicit bias, like I have implicit bias. I, um, man, like I don't, I don't even know how to use it. I, I don't use that term like, in day to day life to to know how to bring it up and and talk about it. Um, we we try to believe that we don't have them, but because they're implicit, we we all do. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Yes. Um, so. I'm gonna go with implicit bias just because I don't remember. I like I have no idea homophily, but implicit bias. Like I'm gonna be biased about something in my life, uh, and my bias is that I'm gonna go hang out with some other moms uh, because they're the ones that know me, are gonna support me, are going through, and we can we can all struggle through this together. So if I told you that implicit bias was like the judgments and attitudes that we have towards something uh, that we are, that are not in our conscious awareness. Yeah. So then would that affect your answer? Yeah. Cause then I can't, it can't be that. So what would you go with? D. D. And D is the correct answer. here. (laughs) So what we just did is actually a really great tool that you can use as you're reviewing questions or a practice test, if you get a question wrong, don't look at the explanation, go and look up the information, Mm -hmm. go look up the definitions. And if looking up the definitions allows you to go from a wrong answer to a right answer, then the problem was the content. If looking up the information, you still get a wrong answer, then it's not the content. It's the reasoning behind yeah. what was going on. That was the problem. And this can really help to, to differentiate between, do I need to study harder? Do I need to practice harder? It's, it's so funny, like doing these questions, being on the spot, like my brain doesn't work fully, which is what happens on MCAT test day, right? Because I talk about implicit bias training all the time when we talk about like, um, like medical school admissions. And, and I talk about these one-way video interview things where I'm like, why would a school introduce that sort of bias? And, and I'm always leaving out implicit bias in, in that definition, right? When, when we can look at someone who is of a different race, who someone is overweight, right? We all have these implicit biases to go, oh, they they aren't smart enough. They aren't whatever because of how they look, because of how they sound, because of how they whatever, right? Hopefully we're, we're unaware of those things because they're implicit. Uh, and we go through training to hopefully try to understand that we ha- all have implicit biases and how do we overcome that? Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, of course I know what implicit bias is. I talk about it all the time and I just couldn't connect the dots doing this stupid question. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing, like, even with the best of intentions and knowledge of, like, 
you know, convincing yourself and, and being right that you that you don't have any overt stereotypes against any particular group of people. That's just how the brain works, is that we consider those who are similar to ourselves as more trustworthy and better than those who are dissimilar to ourselves. Yeah. And it takes a lot of work to break those patterns that your brain wants to do normally. Well, that, that's exactly why it wants to do it normally, because it takes a lot of energy, calories yes. to to work through that thinking. And we, coming from our caveman days, we didn't have access to a lot of calories. And so we right. wanted to conserve. And so we stereotype to save energy. Yeah, that's where all these shortcuts, the, the cognitive shortcuts and the biases um, and the heuristics, that's where all this stuff comes from. Yeah. You're, you're the psychology guy. So it's, yeah, this is, this is all up your alley. Um, sure that, that was just a dumb mistake. Cause I just couldn't put two and two together with implicit bias. I just was drawing a blank, Oh man, but I won't make that same mistake again on the next test. So yeah, that's the goal. Don't make the same mistake twice. All right. Question six. How about it? All right. So all of the following are likely to play a role in postpartum depression, except so you a decreased levels of serotonin, B, decreased levels of norepinephrine. C, decreased levels of gamma-aminobutyric acid, or GABA. And D, decreased levels of dopamine. Um, yeah. So this is where we get, like, the bio-biochem portion of the psych-soch section. Mm-hmm. Where, okay, we're doing nervous system, but notice how it's explicitly tied to behavior. That's how this stuff is going to be tested here. If we see neurotransmitters in uh, biobiochem, usually we're talking very specifically about synapses and we're talking about action potentials and all the physiology of how that stuff works. Here we're looking at the behavioral side of it. Hmm. So any thoughts whatsoever about you know, one of these things might not be like the others. <laughs> Which one of these is not like the other? Well, three of them, as far as I know, um, uh, are neurotransmitters. Uh, I don't know about GABA. I don't. Is GABA a neurotransmitter? I don't know. It sure is. It is. Okay. So yeah. they're all neurotransmitters? Yes. Uh, okay. So that's not <laughs> that's not one of them. Um, I mean, GABA has the longest name, so that's not like any of the others. Um, let's see. Dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine. I mean, to me, like norepinephrine is, is potentially one that's not like the others because it's like, well, epi and norepi is a little bit potentially different in terms of, uh, I don't know, effects. Um, serotonin dopamine we talk about all the time with uh depression i think and feel good stuff and um i don't know so i I would go with b nor epi and and move on because i don't remember okay so unfortunately b is not the correct (laughs) answer here darn it but that's okay uh because like there's one thing that you could learn or maybe two things each independently that you could learn to help get this question right one is the fact that Uh, monoamines are neurotransmitters that are most likely to be implicated in mood disorders. And so the three monoamines here are serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine. So all three of those are implicated in depression. Mm. GABA is not. 
The other thing that you could know, and, and one thing that the MCAT actually explicitly wants you to know about the, uh, the neurotransmitters is that GABA is the chief inhibitory uh, neurotransmitter. So if we decrease levels of GABA, we are actually reducing our ability to inhibit neural signals. So in terms of disorders, decreased levels of GABA are more implicated with anxiety because you don't have those checks and balances on your synapse. Synapse is firing all the time. And now you're thinking about everything all at once. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, GABA being the, the chief inhibitory uh, neurotransmitter is like the thing that they're testing here. Okay. So we get to the end of our first psychosoch passage. Uh, didn't go so well. Um, but we have more passages to come. How, how is one supposed to recover from that? Uh, so you got to go back, you got to lick your wounds, and you got to understand <laughs> that psychosoch is about knowing vocabulary and reasoning with that vocabulary. But the vocabulary is step one. Um, aside from all of the research stuff that does apply in, in biobiochem and chem phys as well, a little bit more of the biobiochem side of things. Um, so if you want to get good at psychosoch, your best bet is to be examining the vocabulary. Whenever you see vocabulary in, a, in an answer choice that you don't recognize, put that on your list of things that you need to conceptualize. And I didn't say memorize, conceptualize. So like, just like you said, like with implicit bias, that you have a, a very specific example in med school admissions that you can go to and say, oh, this is where implicit bias lives and why it's important uh, to avoid there. Um, the more that we can do that, the more that we're going to be ready for vocabulary-based psychosocial questions. All right, there you have it. Another great breakdown of a passage, this time in the psychosocial section with Jason. I hope this was helpful for you. And I hope that these episodes really show you that for me going through these, I, I'm getting to the answer a lot of times, uh, not all the time, but a lot of times just, just using some critical thinking and analysis. Hope this is helpful for you. Whether, whether you're in the car, at the gym, walking your dog, doing dishes, doing laundry, sleeping, I, ho I hope you're not sleeping. It doesn't work. Like you can't listen to this while you're sleeping. It doesn't work. <laughs> anyway, I hope you have a great week. I'll see you next time here on the MCAT podcast. This is MedEd Media.